So we've been talking about Joseph. And God wants to develop us. <laughs> we say, great, I like development. I like to grow. And he wants to do, he, but he wants to develop character in every one of us. And we go, yeah, I want character. But here's the problem. The problem with the process is not always easy and it's not always quick. See, see, we're always looking for this instant character. Give me instant character. In other words, like instant potatoes or microwave. I, I like quick. You know, I don't want to wait more than two or three minutes. So can you give me character in two or three minutes? Zero. That's a thunder boom. And you know what? Let's not make anything about any points that I make that God is happy or sad about them based upon the weather. That wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Here's the point. God was developing Joseph to become the person that he wanted him to be. And um, that was a tough thing. And uh, he was developing Joseph so that he could save his family hit the nation of Israel, and ultimately mankind. This weekend, we're going to find Joseph in prison. He's been falsely accused. He's been thrown into prison and forgotten. He, he is found, he's found favor with the warden. And now he is coming across these two guys that are having dreams. And lo and behold, Joseph has always had this ability to interpret dreams. And so now he's going to use this ability in a, in a very incredible way. So if you'd like to follow along, we're in Genesis chapter 40, page 33 in the Chair Bible. And I want to read you read the verses, the first eight verses, because God has given, given, uh, had given Joseph some special abilities. Um, and he's going to use these gifts with a surprising result. So Genesis chapter 40, page 33, I'll start reading. Sometime later, Pharaoh's cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and put them in prison where Joseph was. Now, let's just stop there for a minute. Remember, he was thrown into prison. Remember that? We talked about that. And uh, now it says here, sometime later. <laughs> so time has passed again. And, you know, we read it. We say, oh, that's nothing. We could have been a year. Could have been two years. Could have been three years. We don't know. But we do know this. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials. He put them in prison where Joseph was, in the place, a palace, of the, uh, of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite, a while, quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, uh, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them in the, the next morning, he noticed they, were both, they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. The first thing we see here in this passage is character development takes time. We all, like I said, we often want instant character. Uh, we want it uh, right now, but there's no such thing. Um, and we often pass over statements like sometime later and for quite some time. In other words, the point of the passage is this has been a long time. Joseph has been in prison for a while. This hasn't happened overnight. This wasn't three days after or a week after he was uh, thrown in prison. This is a while. He's been in prison for an extended period of time. And true character development takes long periods of living faithfully before God. 
Uh, remember Moses in the wilderness? Forty years he spent, you know, tending to sheep out in the wilderness. Forty years until that, that moment, that day with the burning bush. And God said, I'm going to have you lead my people, my sheep. My sheep are going to lead my sheep out of Egypt, right? So 40 years of training. Uh, here's the point I want you to see, that these downtimes, these training times seem like a waste of time. But with God, your time is never wasted. You may think that there's a period of time that your, your, your time is wasted. But here's what I found. God uses everything. God, he, he's eco-minded, right? He uses everything in our life. And the good and the bad and the ugly. And Sometimes we think, oh, this is wasted time. Well, no, not with God it is. And God can take our down times, our training times, and even what we see as a waste of time and uh, use them. Um, but, you know, we need to stop for a minute because sometimes you, need, you have a different issue. Maybe your wilderness experience is your own doing. You may be here and you say, I feel far from God. I feel like he isn't close. I feel like... Um, He's moved away from me. Um, and here's what I found. Sometimes when you feel that way, it's not because that God is doing anything, but you are. Uh, there's what I believe is a principle in Scripture. Uh, sometimes I found this. Sometimes I found myself um, in, kind of in a, a stalemate or a, a, a place where I just can't feel like I move, I'm moving ahead. And it's because... I have this issue that I have to deal with in my life. God has given me a certain amount of knowledge, ability, uh, cert- and, 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 I'm, and he's challenging me with an area of my life, and I'm just saying no. <laughs> or I'm not doing anything about it. And, and uh, God basically says this, I believe, that when God gives us light and we respond positively to the light he gives us, he gives us more light. So it, I don't know what it is in your life, but... Sometimes God brings you to a point and he says, we need to talk about this. And you need to talk about it with God. If you say, no, I don't want to talk about it, you're going to be stuck with that. But it's not even that. You aren't going to remain there because here's the opposite. Here's what else happens. The longer that you don't respond to the light that God gives you, the light that he gives you, he takes away. So you're not, you're not moving. You know, If you don't take that step with God, you don't remain neutral. You drop back. You drop back until you learn that lesson. See, I found that when we respond to light, the light that God gives us, uh, he gives us more light. But when we don't respond, he actually takes away the light we once had. So some of you are not growing. You're not moving forward. You're stuck because um, there's something in your life that you need to deal with, some issue. And until you deal with that issue, you won't move forward. Remember the rich young man? He comes to Jesus and he says, I want character. I want to grow. I want to be with you. I, I want to, you know. And, and Jesus says, fine, okay. He says, follow the commandments. He says, oh, I've done that. Since I was born, I've done that. He says, okay. Now, again, I don't think Jesus was saying he actually agreed. I think he was just saying, okay, we'll take your word for it. Uh, one other thing, sell all that you have and come follow me. And it said the young man walked away sad because he was very wealthy. In other words, what Jesus did right there is he he identified the thing that was going to keep him from taking that next step with Jesus, right? And God does the same thing with us. I don't know what it is with you. Um, 
It could be bitterness. We talked about that last week. It could be that you just don't want to give your life to him and be, let him be Lord of your life. You kind of want to control things in your, your life. It could be a relationship that you say, I must have this relationship or I'll never be happy. And instead of saying, God, I'm going to give you this relationship. If it works, that's fine. If it doesn't work, that's fine. What's most important is that I have a relationship with you. And you can't do that. Or it could be money. You know, again, the rich young man is a great example. My question is this. Is there something that is keeping you from giving your all to Jesus? What's holding you back? Because until you get that issue taken care of, it's going to be very difficult to take the next step. Here's the second thing that we see. Character development involves helping others. Joseph was growing, growing as a person because he became sensitive to the needs of others. Notice what it says in the passage here. It says, when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. So in other words, it was his job to look after them, but he didn't just do his job. He was actually concerned about how they were doing, right? He wasn't just concerned that they were there and they were fed. and they were. He, he noticed there was something in their mood that had changed, which meant that he knew them well enough to know that something had changed, right? The question I want to ask you is, do you notice the people around you? Do you wonder how they're doing? Do you find yourself caring more and more about the people around you? Or are you so busy with your own life, your own issues, your own problems, that you just don't have time to look at others? It's a question. Jesus cared about those around him. In fact, his life mission on earth was to seek and to save the lost. Mark's gospel says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, his life was other focused. See, you're never going to become all that God designed you to be until you choose to serve others. Now, what we tend to do is we tend to serve those people who can help us, (laughs) where we can build some, um, get some, get something in return. I'll do you a favor, and then someday, maybe tomorrow, you'll do me a favor. Or it looks good that you're with me and, and that we're friends, and that, makes, that helps me. And we're often willing to serve those who can help us, further pay us back. Uh, but character is a demonstration when you serve those who have no ability and no capacity to help you. You know what excites me about this Audubon project? We're getting nothing out of it. I mean, yes, when we serve them, we will. But we're getting nothing. We're getting nothing out of it. And and frankly, I could care less if they know it's Hope Church that's doing this. That's not important to me. What's important to me is that there is somebody there that we can help. And they're helpless. They're helpless on their own. They have no help. And so we're going to help them. Here's... uh, Here's the, the point that I want you to see. And maybe, maybe you never really thought of this. Did you realize that the only way you can... I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. But if I were to ask the question, uh, how many of you want to serve God? I, I, my guess is everybody, every, every one of your hands would go up. I hope. <laughs> but did you know that you can't serve God unless you're serving others? You realize that? Do you realize why there's so many one another statements in the New Testament? Love one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another. 
Why is that? Because you can't serve God if you don't serve others. That's how we serve God, by serving others. That's how we serve. Here's the third thing. Character development depends on God. Now, Joseph had a great gift. And he had the ability to to interpret dreams. And this really began early in life. We saw that when he was just a teenager. Here he is having dreams, but he's also interpreting the dreams. Now, my, my guess is he probably misused this gift early in life, and he paid for it. He, he was making the sacred, something that God gave him sacred, self-serving. He was taking something that God gave him that was sacred, and he was making self-serving. Now, he learned his lesson, I think, and now he sees his ability to interpret dreams as God-given gift. He sees the sacredness of his gift, and he doesn't take his gift for granted anymore. He's not taking it for granted anymore. He's using it the way God designed it. He's, notice he's careful, to get, remember, he's careful to give the glory to God, right? Now, interestingly enough, Daniel did the same thing. Remember Daniel? <laughs> you know, Nebuchadnezzar's having these dreams, and Daniel says, um, can you interpret the dream? And he says, no, I can't interpret the dream. <laughs> Only God can. <laughs> He's good to get the second part in real quick after that. Well, why are you here then if you can't? And he says, Only God can do it. Well, here Joseph is doing the same thing. Let me ask you a question. Do you give glory to God? Character means that we're giving glory to God, that we acknowledge who butters our bread, right? Oh, yeah, sorry. What, do you, what does that mean? What do I mean by that? Are there some things in life that are given to you by God, but you take credit for them? You say, well, Pastor, not that I'm aware of. Can I give you a couple of possibilities? Possibilities, right? Do you take credit for your economic status? You say, well, I don't have one. Well, if you live in the United States and you live in Dubuque, and you call yourself part of even the lower class, you are probably in the top 90 percentile, probably higher than, than anyone else in the world. So you do have an economic status, whether you know it or not. But what if, what if, what if you were born in a different family? Would that, would that have changed things a little bit? What if, what if you were born in, this, in the middle of the Sahara Desert? Do you, do you think your life might have turned out a little different than it is today? What if your economic status was a little different? And it very well could be, depending on where you were born and what time you were born. What if you were born, you know, 500 years ago, right? So we take credit for that. And again, I understand you work hard and you went to school and you studied and I get all that. That's not what I'm saying. But in the end, there are some things that weren't under your control that God blessed you with. Do you take credit for those or do you give glory to God for that? Let me give you another example. Do you take credit for your sharp mind, for your physical strength, for your natural beauty, for your bubbly personality? Do you take credit for that? Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Who gave you intelligence? Who gave you strength and beauty? Who gave you personality? Sure, you, you, you've developed those traits, but from whom did they originate? That's the question I'm asking. You see, let me give you one more. Do you, give cre- do you take credit for your health? You say, Pastor, I exercise, I try to eat right, uh, 
But, it, he, but the, the Word of God says God holds your very life in His hands. The day that God says you've just breathed your last breath, you've breathed your last breath. Your life is in His hands. Do you give glory to God for that? Do you wake up every day and say, God, I am alive today because you choose that I am alive? Now, does that mean I shouldn't take care of myself? I shouldn't eat right? shouldn't go to the doctor? No, that's not what we're saying. What I'm saying is, do you give glory to God? Do you acknowledge that everything that you have and everything you are is a gift from God? Here's the point. Character development depends on seeing the hand of God in your life. Both men told Joseph their dreams. The cupbearer told the dream to Daniel. And then uh, seeing the good condition, the chief baker said, well, let me tell you my dream. Now, I don't have time to go into how those dreams came out. They were very different outcomes. They were very different. But Joseph told the cupbearer, your dream is going to turn out well, because within three days, the king is going to restore you, or the pharaoh is going to restore you back to your former position. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. When you get there, remember me. Tell the pharaoh, That I was unjustly accused and helped me out. (laughs) I'm doing you a solid, now you do me a solid. That's essentially what he's saying. What happened? Well, this is what it says in verse 14, page 34. This is Joseph. Please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to the Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I have done nothing to deserve it. Jump down to verse uh, 20. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And then he jumped into the next chapter, the first verse. It says this in verse 1, two full years later. What do you think had happened the first week that uh, the chief cupbearer was put back into his former position? What do you think Joseph thought every time he heard steps coming down the hallway to his cell? This is it. This is it finally out of here this this must be what god is doing this has got to be his plan he 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 remembered me he he, you know this is of course god used my ability to interpret his dream and and now he remembered me and 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 then a week went by and then two weeks and then three weeks and what do you think happened to joseph what could have happened? We don't know, but we, don't, we know a couple of things. He had high hopes, probably. He probably wondered, well, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to be restored. He might have thought, oh, yes, of course, God, this is the plan that you have. Now I see it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought, 
because things seem to be falling into place. Oh, that must be God's plan. I'm tired of hearing people come to me and say, I know this person isn't a follower of Jesus, but I think it's God's plan for me to marry them. Why? Because we've had these series of events that just seem as though God is leading. And I just say, well, you know, they may be the right person, but they aren't today because if they're not followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible says to don't be unequally yoked together. So I don't really care how many of those things happen until this person is a follower of Jesus Christ. They're not uh, the right person for you today. But you know, uh, here's the thing. Have you ever assumed the plan of God? Have you ever thought, this, that must be his plan for my life because of all the circumstances, of all the things. Have you ever run ahead of God and found out that he has a different plan for you and then immediately you're, you're crushed, you're angry, you, you become bitter, you become angry, and you blame God? When in reality, God had nothing to do with it, you jump to a conclusion. Many people have done this. What happens, though, if you're wrong? What happens if God doesn't do it the way you think he should? I've met people who become bitter or disillusioned with God because his plan was different from theirs. They assume God was doing one thing, and God chose another path. So is that God's fault? Remember, it was two more years before God called Joseph out of the prison. The point I want you to see is we need to put our plans into his hands with no strings attached. And that's the problem. We make plans. We say, God, I'll do this if, or I'll do this when, or God, uh, I really need you to do this in this time period in this way or whatever. And we just have to say, God, you do your will. We need to trust his, that his plan is far better than anything we could ever imagine. We need to trust him when we can't make sex sense of things. Uh, but how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we trust God? when we can't make sense of what's going on in our lives. And that's what I want to just close with. How do you hang in there when life gets impossible? I think the only way to hang in there when life gets impossible is that remember that God loves you and he never forgets you. He never forgets you. He always remembers you. You see, even though the cupbearer forgot Joseph, God remembered him. He hadn't lost track of him. He hadn't said, oh, that was, I was supposed to, and, oh, it's too late now. No. God, even though cup, the cupbearer forgot him, and it's, it's, it's interesting how it says, and he didn't even think about him. <laughs> it was like he didn't just forget him. He forgot him, you know. And the point is that the writer's trying to say, yeah, with man they may forget you, but God doesn't forget you. You see, Though the cupbearer forgot Joseph, God remembered him. God remembers. He always remembers. Do you remember, remember the thief on the cross? I was teaching this passage this week in our baptism class. I always go to this passage because um, it's one of those passages that really gets to the heart of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's simply this. A follower of Jesus Christ is somebody who just simply places their faith and trust in Jesus. They call upon Jesus. So in Luke chapter 39, or excuse me, chapter 23, verse 39, page 807, I want to read you that passage, and then I just want to make a couple of observations. Luke chapter 22, verse 39, page 807. 
One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Now before you, you, you say, this other criminal is a good guy, he really was doing the same thing. But he had a turn of heart. He had a change of heart. He, did, he repented. He turned, did a 180. And, and he realized that what he was doing was wrong. They were both mocking him at the beginning, if you read through the gospel accounts. But notice he had a change of heart. The other criminal protested, don't you fear God, even when you are, have been sentenced to die? In other words, he's saying, you're going to meet God here pretty quick. It, maybe it's not a good idea. If he is God's son, that you're making fun of him. <laughs> this may not be the greatest, wisest thing to do right now. Right? And notice what he says. Don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done, hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, what are those next two words? Remember me. Remember me when you come into, the, into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. He said, Joseph said to him, would you remember me? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He gets there. He doesn't. But God remembered Joseph. The thief said, Jesus, you're my only hope. I'm putting my trust in you. Would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus, not only will I remember you, you're going to be with me in paradise today. And that's how a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. That's how they step across that line. They put their faith in Jesus. Now, why? Why would you do that? You see, Jesus was forgotten so we could be remembered. There was a time where the Father had to turn away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was innocent of any crime, but he died as a criminal in our place. He was abandoned. Joseph was abandoned, but Jesus was abandoned so he, we could be embraced. When everyone else forgets, he remembers. You know, maybe that's the, the one thought that one of you will take, some of you will take, and say, that's the most important thing. That when everyone else forgets about me, he doesn't. He remembers. When no one else cares, he shows his love for us by his death. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Well, that's what he did. He died in your place. Jesus reaches down, he stretches out his arms, and he gives up his very life for us. You see, you see what's going on here? Character isn't something that happens overnight. And character doesn't happen when times are generally going well. It can, but generally character comes when there's storms, when there's trouble, when there's temptations. Character comes when you, you basically say, I can't change my circumstances, but I can change my attitude. Character comes when you say, you know, I can, I can be focused, so focused on myself that I never see anyone else, or I can look at, at the needs of others and meet the needs of others. Character comes, though, and the motivation for character comes when we look to him, the one who never forgets us, the one that knows the very hairs on our head, or lack thereof. 
right? That's the hope that we have today. As we leave this place, God leaves with us. Jesus, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you my spirit. He will dwell within you. I will always be with you. I'll never forget you. The hope that we have is the same hope he gave to the, the, the thief on the cross when he said, when he said to Jesus, Jesus, when you come to your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And that's the hope that we have. To know that no matter what happens in our lives, one day we will be with him in paradise. And on this side, he never forgets us. And he knows you're suffering. He's gone through suffering. He's gone through rejection. He gets that. That's the hope that we have. And that's how God builds character. It's not always pretty. It's not always easy. But when we look to Jesus, it's a lot easier. Let's stand together. Let's pray. So, Father, character is is important. But it isn't just automatic we grow in character day by day, little by little, through trials, tribulations, and troubles. We grow as we take our eyes off ourselves and look to you. Thank you, Father, that no matter what our circumstances, you never forget. You know us better than we know ourselves. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And the promise that you made to the thief on the cross is the promise you made to us in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. And that's awesome. And that keeps us going, knowing that we'll never be forgotten by you and you have a place and a plan for our lives. For that we are thankful. For that we are grateful. Help us to use the gifts and the abilities that we have been given by you to serve others for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.